Welcome to the Embracing the Weather podcast. As you may hear in the background, it's a rainy day here in Portugal, which is quite unusual. Today I'd like to offer you the possibility of three different views of the universe or of life. And these are all based upon three spiritual experiences that we can have depending on our tradition, our path, our belief system, our, our predilections, conscious or unconscious. I'll be looking at the Indian framework, its tradition and culture and philosophy and religion, how that combined to really have three trajectories, you could say. And I'll give you the Sanskrit terms in case you want to follow up on them, but I'll also pare them down into just simple English and... It's really important to understand that our own belief system or tradition will have an aim or an outcome in mind. What is the pinnacle of its, its aspiration? Where does it lead? What does it culminate in? What does it say is, you know, freedom or realization? And that will very much color how we view the world or how we interact with the world or in some cases how we don't interact with the world. So it's a very interesting area and I'll keep it succinct and palatable. So the three traditions we're looking at are Samkhya, Vedanta and Tantra. And I'm probably pronouncing some of them wrong, but really there are three different branches of exploration, you could say. If we look at traditional Indian framework, it says like that there's the possibility as humans that we can realize Satchitananda, this being, consciousness and bliss. Sat is peace, chit is this conscious power and Ananda's bliss or joyfulness, the satisfaction and fullness of life. And really they're one. That's why the three words are often run together, Satchitananda. So it's a wonderful expression and, and there's a depth to it. So if we look at Samkhya, it's the first tradition, it's a Hindu branch, you could say. And it really it has an idea that we can come back to ourselves as witness, this potential to realize our witnessing position. And what we witness is the world. And this, you could say, differentiation of I am the witness and I witness the world is often called Purusha Prakriti. And you could really just say this is the witness and nature. The world and universe and life we see around us is nature. We witness its changes. And when we realize this witnessing position in that tradition, 
if we establish in that it's often called moksha, moksha or liberation or freedom because there's a certain degree of peace that can come with this realization we have no longer fully identified with even our own human nature we say you know even our own thoughts or impulses or drives that we can witness them we can step back so we're no longer bound by our own conditions or human conditions and the conditions of the world so there's a sense of peace to that and freedom which is quite beautiful but if we look at it in terms of satchitananda it really emphasizes the sat the peace of satchitananda so predominantly it's peace and there's no real sense of conscious power or bliss to it, this joyful expression. It's, you could say, it gives you a sense of being not perturbed, but there's not a lot of joy to it and sense of empowerment to it or transformation. And it views Prakriti or nature in a kind of inert way, it sees it as mechanical unconscious forces without really any link to the witness, they're just happening out there and really we're divorced from it so it creates a kind of a, quite a separation that gives peace because you're removed from it but there's also a powerlessness and lack of joy to it but you could say this is kind of a stepping stone really an initial stepping back or resting back from the activity of the world and it's a wonderful experience but it does color our view of the world then that you know we're divorced from the world and we don't know how this witness is in relation to this it's just removed from nature so you could say that there's nearly a duality to it, a divorced reality, but quite separate. But yet, there's still a witnessing. The witnessing itself is the link. So then if we move on to Vedanta, and of course in Vedanta there's many different branches of Vedanta and Advaita and different explorations, you could say. So with Vedanta in general, it's called this instead of purusha prakriti we have this brahman and maya which is the self and maya which is often termed illusion so it's this process of realizing yourself as the self with a capital s and that self is only one it's the same self in all and you find everywhere the same self you could say and it's not really, the self is not stained by the activity of maya, you know, and its view of maya is often at best, you know, that maya is just some appearance that cannot be controlled or is of no real use or value, that even sometimes it's nearly denigrated, that it's illusory, that it's it's nearly projected upon it that it's some kind of evil trickster 
because it keeps us identified with its movements and conditions. And with this realization of the Brahma Maya, the self and Maya or the world, you have a flowering into Satchitananda as well. So there's more of a sense of fullness to it. But really what it brings, it, its predominant value is peace. The Sat aspect of Satchitananda. So the self is peaceful, unperturbed, unmoving, and Maya just moves and does things. And, you know, it's not something we can control. It's, it's just happening. It's an appearance. And to some, it's, it's not valid in any way. And then we can come to another tradition, which is Tantra. And again, Tantra has many sub-branches. So the Tantra here I'm talking about is not the sexual Tantra or that exploration that is in the West. It's more Tantra based on understanding the world as Shakti, as power, as the Divine Feminine. And really this tradition or way of understanding is that Ishwara could sometimes be translated as the self or as the Lord. That this self is not powerless or is not divorced from this world play, this Shakti. That this Lord is very much imminent or this self is imminent within us and has the power or mastery to will change in the world. That Shakti is not something separate from the self. That Shakti is the self. It's self-power. It is the manifestation of the self. And it is not separate from it. So, this also brings the flowering of Satchitananda, but equally, or as one. So there's equal peace, equal conscious power and equal ananda that they're really one or one possibility of realization altogether and to experience all three to the fullest is often you could say non-separation or non-dual not two that this Ishwara Shakti this Self and self-power are not two separate positions. That Shakti is your self-power which you can control. Control in the sense that you can bring change to it. And so this affords us the opportunity to really explore transformation and healing because when we realize the depth of ourself and recognize its inseparability from the world around us, we can start to bring the light of our realization into our own human nature, to our mind, life energy and body and the world around us to make change, to help in this evolutionary process we call life.
which is really the divine manifesting itself, the self manifesting itself in individual points of consciousness. So really what marks these different approaches is their view of life for the world, the universe around us. The Samkhya tradition looks at the world as Prakriti is. It's mechanical, it's inconscient, it's just going through motions and you know, freedom lies in just stepping back from it. And then we have Vedanta, we can realize the self and recognize our own peace. And then this world, no matter what it does, it doesn't phase us. And, you know, at best that this world is just some appearance that proceeds from us. It's not separate from us, but it just kind of spontaneously manifests and appears. But we have no control or say-so over it. We're just at peace. And then looking at Tantra, there's this recognition or possibility of the recognition that this self very much is not just peaceful, it also is a conscious power that is blissful. And it's very power, this Shakti, this Chit Shakti, this conscious power in the world is us. And we have to really claim that, to reclaim it, so to speak. Not for any egoic purposes, but just that it is us, that we take responsibility for our own healing, transformation, evolution. And then this doesn't leave the world as something that's not of value or can't be harmonized. So there are really three different views and you can realize all three of these and they're all true. Because when we realize any position from that position, that's the truth. But the beautiful thing is that we can if we don't become entrenched in any one tradition or way or end view that we can experience all of them. And then we, according to our own predilection in nature, we can then follow through on that, to live that life. For me, my understanding of this divine feminine allows for really meeting the old unconscious patterns in my humanness, the old traumas, the old hurts, the old strands of egoic nature, and to really to bring myself to them, to bring peace to them. And in that, more power and joy can be experienced. So, some areas of exploration for you. And, you know, these three possible spiritual experiences or you could say positions we can view from are different than, than maybe the experience of 
soul again, and I'll talk about that maybe in another podcast. But for me, I think it's so important now that we we don't disregard the world, the universe, our life. We don't cut it off or we don't dismiss it as meaningless, that we don't try to escape it or negate it or vilify it, that we claim it, not on its surface movements, because we look at only at the surface, we fail to recognize the depth, the conscious power that's underneath or woven into this life force, into the world around us, into this conscious power. And really when you ponder it, that without this nature, without this humanness, there can be no realization. Even there's a, a wonderful saying like about the ego, which is part of our human nature for a time, this, this centralizing principle we call ego, that's part of our initial evolutionary step that with the ego there can be no advancement. Without the ego there can be no advancement. So it's this kind of paradox. And you could say sometimes the things that challenge us, what challenges helps us to grow what we have to overcome and master. That's really the, offers us the possibility to transform, to know ourself, or for the divine to know itself through all these individual points of consciousness, through all this different experiences of humanity through time. So, there's no wrong tradition or path. All paths are valid. And every path is for a time and according to our nature. I found myself in different parts of my own life too. I've found great value in these different traditions and really they've nurtured and challenged me into both growth and also learning how to detach from certain aspects, how to witness, how to also realize my unmoving self, this deep peace of self. But then again also to realize this conscious power the Shakti that is not separate from me and the bliss that comes in that recognition, the joy of not being separate in any way. 
I'd like to leave you with the words of two different masters. Ramana Maharishi was once asked, is not Maya illusion? And he answered, Maya is used to signify the manifestations of reality. Thus Maya is only reality. He goes on in a different talk to talk about how that, you know, sometimes the spiritual seeker is told that life is an illusion and it's a strategy to help orientate them, to get them to turn from the surface identification with the world and to look for something deeper or higher to find themselves. And then when they do find themselves, that they can truly appreciate what this world is, what this reality is, including this conscious power, this Shakti of manifestation. And here are some words from Sri Aurobindo. The mother is the consciousness and force of the Supreme. And he goes on to say, she dominates all existence, one and yet so many sided, that to follow her movement is impossible, even for the quickest mind. And perhaps that's a nice place to leave it because there are certain things we cannot grasp with our current level of mind. We must really transcend that level of mind to appreciate what Shakti or this divine feminine truly is. Thank you and I wish you well.